guest on a podcast is a fantastic way to increase your reach and boost your visibility and skyrocket that authority, right? You're a really important person who knows what they're talking about when you've been on a podcast. But getting on a podcast is not quite as easy as just asking someone to be on their pod. Today's guest is a podcast guesting specialist, and I'm going to dig into not only how to get on podcasts, but the big picture of what you need to think about when it comes to podcast guesting. Hello and welcome to the Hot Copy Podcast, a podcast for copywriters all about copywriting. My name is Belinda Weaver. I am a copywriter. My business is Copyright Matters and I not only write copy, but I teach people how to become successful copywriters. Now, normally I'd be welcoming Kate Toon, but in place of Kate today, because time zones are hard when we have guests, I have a fantastic guest, May Kay Sang. She is a podcasting guesting expert, and I'm going to start by reading her most excellent bio. May Kay Sang is a podcast guesting mentor and trainer who helps purpose-driven entrepreneurs to expand their reach, share their message, and grow their business to make a bigger impact on the world. She does this by training her clients, their teams, to build a self-sustaining podcast guesting system into their business so they can land brand-aligned podcast interviews without having to outsource to an external agency. This, of course, helps position her clients as guest experts who focus on value-driven visibility. And there's a TM after that, and we need to talk about that, <laughs> intentional relationship building and creating a loyal audience. And all of those things are what we're going to dig into today. So hello, May Kay, and welcome to the Hot Copy Podcast. Hey, Belinda. Thank you so much for having me here. And Okay, listening to my own bio, that's, that's interesting. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. So what I want to start with is love someone with a great niche, and it is a great niche. How did you get to be the podcasting coach? Right. So what happened was around like in June 2019, I was reaching a point where I started to realize that, ah, my referral well is running bone dry. And it's because I had solely relied on, again, referrals, right? And so I didn't really put a lot of emphasis in my own marketing efforts. And so literally when I shared this uh, dilemma with my mentors, literally like four of them <laughs> were saying the same thing in their own way. They're like, you got to get on more podcasts. And I was like, great. I mean, that's one thing to say I need to do it, but how do I do it? Mm. And this is also around the time where I launched my own podcast, The Quiet Rebels Podcast. And it, it was the same issue that I found that like I loved the message and, you know, the people around me, they loved the message, but it wasn't getting out further. So it's almost like guesting on podcasts was the answer to both expanding the reach of my own and as well as like making the impact and also creating a, a visibility strategy to, you know, for clients as well. So that's how it kind of like happened. So I challenged myself in July 2019 to reach out to, okay, hold on to your pants. <laughs> Holding on. <laughs> I reached out to 101 podcasters in 30 days. Wow. Okay. So I want to I dig in to how that changed your pitching. Like, did you just start with best guess and then figure out, like refine the process as you went along? 
Oh, Belinda. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I so I found like a list, like I did my research, finding podcasts who could benefit, um, you know, from the topic. Because at the time I was a launch copywriter and strategist back then. And so my my pitch, of course, changed along with my topics, but the framework has stayed the same after I refined it. And there was a big reason why I had to refine it. So um, I pitched to someone, this was my first pitch and also my first rejection. And so I followed in the footsteps of one of my mentors who she did say in her pitches that she was doing this 30 podcasts and 30 days challenge. So I thought, oh, okay, well, if it worked for her, then maybe it can work for me. And that was a big mistake. <laughs> oh, interesting. Yeah, because, and I understand in retrospect why it came across this way, because 101 sounds either ex- extremely ambitious or it seems like, okay, you obviously just care about the numbers. Good point. Yeah. Yes. And unfortunately, the podcast I reached out to um, thought the latter. Right. Like the topic at the time, it didn't resonate with him anyway. But I think that mentioning that challenge and kind of like um, offering to kind of break down the process and everything, like for me, the way that I intended wasn't to obviously make him feel like a number or anything. Unfortunately, that was how it came across, and it really broke my heart when he sh- he was very gracious in actually sharing feedback. He wasn't angry or anything, which I'm very grateful for. But he did say to me, like, you know, um, podcasters really like to feel special, and so if I were you, I wouldn't actually mention that. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, because it, that feels it feels very transactional. Then mm. it feels like you're approaching someone simply as a means to accomplish your goal, which yes. of course smart marketers know gives you something then to talk about. So mm. you know, there's power in in that kind of challenge. It gives you a bit of a gimmick and it gives you a topic to talk about. But yeah, mm. no one likes to feel like a transaction, right? No, they don't. And so I learned, I'm very grateful that, um, you know, for his feedback and that this was the first pitch. So, of course, I never mentioned it again until after the challenge was over. So they, then the podcasters know that, oh, I'm not included in this 101. <laughs> so, you know, I'm not part of the experiment of hers or anything like that. So, um, and actually, I got to reconcile with, with this guy, actually, um, at a live event, which was really wonderful that I kind of like kind of expressed my apologies again because I felt so much shame after that feedback and I even um shared with my mentors as well that oh I'm not sure I can do this and they're like no Mickey this is just the first pitch you can't give up now sure. so um yeah but I did manage to clear my conscience after a very sincere apology and like acknowledgement of my mistake and the guy was like oh no I've never held anything against you so it's clearly all self-imposed <laughs> But that's, I mean, that's really, it's a really interesting moment where we can decide how we're going to take the rejection. And this is not just getting on podcasts. This is guest posting on blogs, cold pitching to clients. Like there's lots of ways that we really have to put ourselves out there. And if it doesn't measure up to where we need to be in that moment, we have to learn from it, right? Mm Mm-hmm. 100%. And so it sounds like your pictures got a lot better. Did you, yes. did you get the 101 in 30 days? I did. And um, so I just want to like, you know, full transparency, it wasn't 30 days in a row. It was spaced over about one and a half months because I totally forgot 
I didn't work on weekends, nor did I want to work on weekends. <laughs> and that naturally took like a third of my month. And I was like, oh, so it, it kind of spilled over. And there was a moment in the challenge again where I felt like, oh, it feels transactional again. Because after that first pitch, I really personalized my process. So there was a lot that went into it. And this is why I teach my students and my clients now to like take on the personalization and relevancy roles. And there was a point where it just felt like, oh, I just need to get to this 101, I'm done. Like, that's how I felt. And I was like, ooh, Maker, you got to take a step back. You ain't pitching with this energy. Yeah. Because intentionality is so important. Like, even though that isn't technically what people see, it's what people feel. And, you know, not just the way that copy is written, but it's just like how you are as you write it. That all translates into this submission right and so I did have to take a pause and like take a step back and just like recalibrate like what my values are and just like to really come home to who I am and I am not a transactional person I Mm. I thrive on retention as opposed to just acquisition (laughs) you know and so that was a big lesson for me to learn which is why to this day, I will never do 101 pitches again. Even if I have a team, it's not where I want to be because I actually got too many yeses. <laughs> Quality problem, I know. But at the time, I was like, oh, okay. I'm a little bit overwhelmed with how many interviews I'm, I'm having booked right now. So that was an interesting quality problem to have too. Yeah, absolutely. And and just, you know, how the energy you have writing the pitch is something that is in parallel when we had Laura Lopich on the show talking about cold pitches for mm-hmm. work. And she was like, you've she said, you've really got to be in the right headspace mm-hmm. um, because how you feel when you write absolutely comes through. And I love the way you've mentioned intention a few times. And I want to loop back to that. But I want to um, talk about, I mean, something came up recently where someone was saying, oh, the podcast stats are way down. Is this even worth my time? Like, is podcasting something I should um, spend my time getting into? Or have I missed the boat? Is it too late? What do you say no. to that? <laughs> it's definitely not too late. And, um, you know, stats will always be stats. And let me give you some because um, something that I shared on like workshops prior to, you know, opening up my program doors is kind of like, okay, let's compare it across different mediums. And I just want to acknowledge that podcast guesting is not for everyone. It just isn't. Yeah. It's just how, you know, some of us are better equipped to do Um, guest blogging or being on a video show versus being on an audio show like podcast. And what's really important is that you are aware that you are a strong verbal processor. That is key Mm -hmm. because even if you have the most amazing ideas in the world, if you cannot articulate them in a succinct way on a podcast, then your message will not come through. That means that your voice may not be the right channel to communicate your ideas. Maybe actually might through your thing might be through your fingertips for your writing instead. So that's something that you might want to kind of like ask yourself, like, do I communicate my ideas well, or am I, do I kind of stumble on my words? And, you know, some of it of course is based on practice. Um, You know, many people get nervous uh, when they're jumping on a stage, even if it's a virtual one, but that's something just to be aware of first of all. Mm. And now let me drop you some stats. So I think after this kind of be like, okay, well you tell me if you think like, <laughs> <this should be laughs> so in comparison to other mediums, 
blogs. There are over 600 million blogs. Sounds about right. Mm -hmm. That's over half a billion. (laughs) YouTube channels, 31 billion. Wow. Mm -hmm. Podcasts, 850,000 active podcasts. Oh, wow. Mm Mm-hmm. So that tells us that there's a lot more opportunities Mm because the market isn't swamped, right? Exactly. So it really depends on how you look at it. If you see it from like, like who's like getting the most coverage in the world, you probably think it would be blogs, but that's a hell of a lot of a competition, (laughs) right? And so that's blogs and YouTube channel. Not everyone is made for video. And by made, I mean, like for me personally, I used to have a YouTube channel and I wouldn't say that it's not the right medium for me, but I had to think of my ideal customer avatar. Do they have time to watch half an hour videos every week? No, they don't. They're super busy people. Mm. And also with video, I had a lot of my headspace clogged up, worrying about my lighting, my hair, my makeup. And yeah. no one can see you, Belinda, but like she was just pointing at her face. <laughs> All the face. Uh, what yeah, do I look like? Yeah. Exactly. Right. And the beauty of podcasting is that even though I always show up on video anyway, just to kind of like create that poor with a host and everything like that, um, I love that the voice is the key component. So really like just like work within your own means and the different areas that you're, you know, that you're brave enough to try for sure. But I just want to drop those stats for you. So 600 million blogs, 31 million YouTube channels, only 850,000 podcasts. So the beauty of podcasts is that they are often so so niched and that is beautiful because that means that you can really tap into the space where you can be the go-to expert Mm. and that's wonderful and I want you to imagine when like in real life when someone whispers in your ear they're not strangers or if they're a stranger then I would sucker punch their face to be like why are you getting so close to me right (laughs) it's extremely intimate and that's what I want you to take into account and by the way I do do martial arts just saying so I'm not just (laughs) (laughs) but you know like it's a funny thing when people listen to the hot copy podcast and when they listen to the quiet rebel they feel like they know us and I absolutely Mm -hmm. get that because when I listen to podcasts I'm like Malcolm Gladwell and me we're best mates (laughs) he talks to me like he talks to no one else it has that kind of feeling like it's really Mm -hmm. very intimate is absolutely the word and the way you can connect with people when they hear your voice is incredibly powerful but I, I also want to point out that there are still so many people in the world who don't even know what podcasts are just because mm. we're in the space of podcasts and we listen to podcasts all the time it's easy to think that the whole world is like that and mm. that when we see lots of podcasts on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify we, th- we all think well there's just no space for us anymore Mm. And that's guesting and having a podcast as well. So, you know, one of the things I want to loop back to is you said, you know, a type of person who who can gather their thoughts in the spoken word quite mm. succinctly and quickly versus someone who just needs a bit more practice. Mm. What, what would you say to someone who goes, who probably just needs a bit more practice, but who is telling themselves the story, oh, this is not my thing, I can't do this, I'm not that person? Mm. So this is going to be a bit more on the 
on the woo-woo side. So I hope you can take this like little journey with me. Love the woo. <laughs> so what I have discovered um, as I work with clients who are actually ready to do this is that there is a, there is a voice that they just can't silence. And it's like, it's desperate to come out and there's not enough fulfillment when they communicate, you know, that message in the other mediums. So I feel like there's a lot of like um, self-imposed barriers and a lot of imposter complex that comes into play, um, you know, which stop people right in their tracks before they even consider doing it. But what I would say is that if you feel this calling within you, that is just desperate to come out. And if there's no other way that it can be satisfied, unless it is through your actual voice, then that is what I would lean into. So um, I, yeah, this is something that it's just intuitive really. So if you feel, if you're even listening to this episode, clearly you're interested in it. And it's kind of like when you are drawn to certain like um, piece of information, when your eyes just catch on, like when you scroll your um, on your f- social media feed, there's something that just catches your eye. There's a reason for it is because there's a part of you that wants to focus on that. So it's kind of like giving yourself permission to explore these different options. And you really know, you know, when it is the right thing for you, but it's just having the courage to try. Absolutely. I agree. And I think one of the hangups a lot of people have is I sound terrible. I don't have a nice voice and (laughs) I'm absolutely one of those people. And it's just something, what I would say is that your sound will always be charming to someone. So Mm. don't let how you think you sound stop you from communicating your message. Mm, I love that. And do you know what? For the longest time, I used to be really embarrassed of speaking because you may not be aware of it now but maybe well I'm about to reveal it in just a second (laughs) but when I say what I'm about to say then you're gonna be hyper aware of it and then you're gonna hear it when I speak (laughs) so I have a slight lisp and I've always been like very self-conscious about it and it's very rare that someone points it out but I remember when someone did once and he said that oh no it's adorable you know your your little list sort of thing but even so I was like oh I'm not sure how I feel about this so that's how I felt like um you know as well as also being like Chinese so the this this is a whole different conversation (laughs) but like just um in a nutshell my cultural conditioning like normally you know my family were very collectivist were very private people and so me even having a voice or even thinking of sharing it is like, it blows their mind. They're like, why would you do that? <laughs> like people are going to know you. They're going to know who you are and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, okay, there's a lot of things that are going on here. But like I said to you before, there's a voice inside me that's dying to come out. And I know now it's a very meta mission that I have. So voicing your life's work, that's my life's work. And I can't do that unless I voice it. So it's just kind of like a little set, a little cycle in there. My life's work is to help you voice your life's work. And I can't do that if I don't follow the steps that I'm trying to share with you. I love that so much. I think that's the meme for the show. Um, I love that. And I just, I, what I, I guess I would encourage people who are listening, who are in maybe a zone of uncertainty is that whenever, and this is something we talked about on your podcast, um, Make Haze, whenever you get, 
the chance to step up. There's going to be a whole lot of junk that comes yes. with that. And I think it's important to just recognize that. Like we're talking not about just how to get on podcasts. We're talking about how to extend your reach and your visibility and get more visibility in order to have more impact. And with that comes a whole lot of junk. So sometimes mm. it's easier for us to think, oh, it's just about the email we write to the podcast host. No, I mean, that's, that's the number one question. Like I do, get asked about is always about the pitch and I'm like uh you do you realize that that's like a tiny like part of my French but tiny ass piece of the puzzle <laughs> <laughs> yeah it really is because everything before that just as you mentioned just kind of like acknowledging the message that you um have to share the expansion of your message the visibility aspect and also the long-term relationship that you can build with the host because if it's like a transactional thing which is like oh I pitched 30 podcasts this month, I got five yeses, cool, that's five interviews. That is a very transactional way of seeing it. And that's the model that I'm moving away from. Like, as you mentioned, um, you know, in my bio, it's all about that self-sustaining system. So you can really have these personal connections because that's, that's where the whole opportunity lies. The podcast interview itself is like the catalyst for growth of a much bigger picture. Mm. And that's what I love for those who are listening right now to kind of like walk away with that. It's not the end all be all just when you get on the, in get on the interview It's not, it's like what happens afterwards and all of your intentionality from the beginning really feeds into this. I love that. I definitely want to loop back to leveraging and the, the point you made, ooh, your bio, love it. So, but I want to, let's, t let's get some tactical stuff for the process. How yeah. do people find the right podcasts to be on? Because Obviously, we can go, oh, this is the number one marketing podcast. Therefore, that's where I should try and be. Is, is that, I'm like, I'm shaking my head because it's clearly not the best. <laughs> I'm shaking approach. my head too. <laughs> yeah, right. So tell us, how do we find the best podcast to be in and with the best being in big air quotes? So I have two strategies I want to share with you. One's a formal one and one's a very informal one. And I prefer the latter for obvious reasons. <laughs> but first, before you even consider researching these podcasts I want you to really bring to life the person who you are trying to reach who's the person who will stop in their tracks when they see your name on this podcast and will like put their airpods in straight away to listen to you who is that person what are they going through what do they need to know in order to shift where they are now to where they want to be that is who you need to have at the forefront of your mind at all times when you're even considering this and then here's a step-by-step um, so the formal method is I want you to, so now that you have your person, you know, top of mind, I want you to think of, okay, so who do they listen to? Who do I listen to? Am I a future version of my ideal, my avatar? Because often that is the case, you know, we create things that we wish we had, um, or we wish like we create the opportunities that we wish that we could have taken back when we were just starting out perhaps. And so I want you to envision that person, which kind of podcast do they listen to? Which ones do you listen to? And are they in line with who you're trying to reach? And when you have that podcast in mind, this is when you do like the interconnections. So I want you to think of that podcast, type it into Google, write in Apple podcasts after it. So you don't go to the host website. You don't go to Stitcher. You don't go to Podtail or any other, um, any other players. You go to Apple podcasts another reason so you type it into google you clicked on the apple podcast link and then when you click on it i want you to scroll down to the bottom 
and there will be a section where it says listeners also subscribe to you're welcome <laughs> it is that simple <laughs> wow, okay so like but the, is the theory here that you go for the podcasts that aren't being completely overwhelmed with requests to be on there is there a zone where you're like don't go for the top 10 maybe go the next 50 is that the also recommended by you know kind yeah. of thing I mean, unless you are already a very experienced podcaster or you have, like, if you have this much self-confidence and you have the reputation to back up your claims, which you should have anyway, by the way. But of course, like, the higher they are ranked, then of course they are going to be much more overwhelmed with um, guest requests because people just see them as like, oh, they have a big audience. I'm going to pitch them and only them. And that is like, I rarely ever say something is wrong, but... I think that is a completely wrong way to go about it because new podcasts does not mean the host is new to business. And this is like a huge misconception that I constantly see because like, for example, like Jasmine Starr, who we both saw speak um, at an event we went to in March, like she has recently started her podcast, I'd say like in the last couple of months, but she, she's not new <laughs> like to, to the business game at all. And so that's why like, um, you know, number of episodes is not always a direct reflection, um, you know, of like how, how much reach that they actually already have with their audience. And so I personally wouldn't go for the top 10, at least not straight away. And until you have a good handful of interviews un under your belt, so you have a good span of like the topics you've covered across these and how you can make it even more personalized and more intentional um, to the person. And they're like, oh, okay. So Belinda's been on this podcast and this podcast. And I, and I know, you know, that host, that's where these like connections start forming. And oftentimes, the higher you go in regards to um, the ranking of the host, the stronger your personal connection needs to be with them. You need like a personal in most of the time, or you need to like, you know, create that rapport like from the get go and just kind of like be patient and intentional with your connection with them. And so, like, when it's the right moment, then you pitch. So that's why I don't recommend like the top 10 or top 100 necessarily <laughs> straight away until you have some experience um, under your belt. And I do want to like say that with a caveat, I don't want you to think like, oh, you know, just because it's a new podcast, like, I don't need to try as hard. No, no, no. <laughs> like you honestly never know where these relationships can wind up. So please, regardless of whether someone's in the top 100 or the top 1,000, you know, please do treat them with respect because every host has an audience that they've cultivated that they've taken care of and they are entrusting you to be in front of them and that's a big honor that we should have like you know as a that we need to yeah can't even say in so succinct not really <laughs> <laughs> no but i i love that yeah. point you need to honor and respect the stage that you're being welcomed to and yes. it's just because it's a virtual stage doesn't mean it's not important and mm. you know another way i kind of think about it is if you're if you've been invited onto a podcast that that feels a bit small, mm -hmm. it could be the next biggest thing. Yes. I think that's like if you weigh up an opportunity, any opportunity in what it's going to deliver for you, you really need to move past that. And you've talked yes. about, you know, thinking of the listeners and being much more intentional and having the right energy when you're uh, pitching and almost the word pitching feels 
a bit Ooh. more international than what we're talking about. But, you yeah. know, you could be on the show that's the next big thing. So mm. treat that relationship with respect. Um, yes. So I wanna, I'm want i going to ask you to walk us through a solid pitch, but you've just mentioned something about relationships before you pitch. And mm. this is something we have to do if we're pitching by email for work and stuff like that. So what kind of setup do you need to do before you start going? Like I feel like there are some podcasts, maybe you just go, hi, this is who I am and this is where I've been and I have some fabulous ideas for you. But others, maybe in those top ones, you have to be a lot more intentional about building that relationship first. Mm. Yeah, I mean, like, to be honest, I make it sound like it's some, like, super high-end system, but it's really not. It's literally just connecting with them on the social media platform that they are really present on because, you know, really, really big podcasters, they don't actually outsource um, you know, their social media presence, like at least not all of it, like maybe yes for the posting, but they're the ones who answer their DMs and, you know, they see the stories and things like that. So I'm just like using Instagram as an example here. But um, yeah, it's as simple as that. Sometimes it's just following them, leaving thoughtful comments, not just like, oh, love this or like, great, thumbs up. <laughs> no, like, please. <laughs> if you're going to even, you know, consider like investing a bit of your time to really like connect with these hosts then at least make it worth your while and so yeah just um dropping thoughtful comments liking even com communicating with some of their community members um sharing stories um what i do personally not just to get on podcasts so i need to be very careful that like to ask myself in the moment am i doing this just because i want to kind of like increase my goodwill bank account for them to consider me and if that's the only thing that's going through my mind i'm like okay no i can't do this I can't do this. And my intention is not good. Um, so, for example, um, I would screenshot the episode um, of the, um, you know, of the podcast that I'm listening to. I will tag the host and I will share my takeaways with them as well. Because to them, it's like, oh, my God, like Belinda's like sharing my podcast. I didn't even ask her to. don't really quite know who she is, but look at the takeaway she's given. Like, you just continue to like, build up that presence with them. You can even go as far as you know, joining their email list and replying to their emails as well. Because people, like I've actually done this a couple of times, like just purely because I wanted to, not out of intention or anything. And while most of the time it's actually their gatekeeper, so whether it's their VA or their project manager, like whoever is manning their inbox or womaning their inbox, mm -hmm. um, if, they see, if they see my name quite often, like over and over again, when I send a pitch and if it still goes for that person, like, oh, I've seen make it a couple of times. Like yeah. maybe like, let, let me take a look. So that's why, you know, don't like think of this gatekeeper as like a super scary guard or anything. You know, you, you need to win them over as well. And you do that by showing up, you know, showing your presence and like being very, very like thoughtful and yeah, intention is a part of it. But it's actually not that difficult. It's literally like just be nice. <laughs> be yeah, kind. be human. People really appreciate that. No, I yeah. absolutely agree. And there's something about that, you know, when we're all fighting our inbox gods where we're just like too many emails, having a little spark of recognition around mm -hmm. a name is enough to keep that email in the inbox for just a little bit longer, to be open, to be read, you know. Mm -hmm. So it's a really important point. I think that lead up is very important. Um, and so let's let's walk through a solid pitch. What does right. that look like? So do you want me to actually read it out or do you want me to kind of break down the elements? 
It's up to you. I think it's the, the, because like any good template, it's what you put in it that matters. So, you know, if you, if you want to read some out and go, this is good because like, so you can. Mm. Okay. So I'll, I'll I'll hone in on the things. um, So I do have like seven elements I include in all the pictures, but just as I read it, uh, for example, so um, this lady, her name is Jess. And I was like, the reason why I chose this pitch, Belinda, is because she had over 200 episodes on her podcast and, you know, to me at the time and still even now, you know, it's like, oh, okay. So this is obviously an experienced podcaster because if they release a show once a week, for example, then they've been in it like for nearly four years. So obviously they're going to really vet their guests. Right. And this is almost like a backhanded, almost like a compliment to be honest, like when they share this with me, but apparently, um, because for this particular person, and I don't want to scare people. In fact, I want this to encourage those who are listening. Um, you have to put in the number of people on your email list and your social media following. So you probably see where I'm going with this. They said, you know, we normally don't accept guests with a following as little as yours. Oh, ouch. <laughs> I know. I've it right there. Smash. Yes, exactly. And they said, but, but your pitch was that good. Awesome. So I want to relay this pitch to you. So the key thing for any pitch, personalization and relevancy. Anything more than that is a bonus. So, of course, um, personalization is, of course, spelling their name correctly. And I emphasize that personally because my name is misspelled all the time. Mispronunciation is okay because I know it's a bit strange, my name. (laughs) But when it's misspelled and I'm like, dude or dudette, my name is in the email you're sending this to. (laughs) Or you're on my website and you have to type in my website name. So it kind of baffles me, to be honest. But um, just saying their name and referencing their podcast name, that is super important. But you can't even begin to imagine how many times it's been missed out. And it's not just me who said this. I've spoken to many fellow podcasters and they're like, yeah, you can tell when it's on mass and it's not a good feeling. No. Anyway. So I said, hi, um, Hey Jess, my name is Nikkei Sang and I'm a fellow dancing cat gifts enthusiast and a podcaster. So saying the word fellow, it immediately puts you on common ground and we like people who are like us. 100%, right? especially if they like cat gifts. Yes. Oh, <laughs> such a big fan of them. <laughs> and then I go on to say, I wanted to reach out to you today to ask if you'd be interested in chatting with a launch strategist and conversion copywriter on your show about how understanding your courage to convert level will help you to show up fully and make more sales in a crowded marketplace. So courage to convert. That was actually a framework that I developed myself. And so that's the intriguing part. Like, oh, okay, interesting. And what's the benefit? Show up fully, make more sales, right? That's all intentional. But an objection that might come up is like, oh, but how do I know this works? So this is when I bring in a credibility factor. So I I literally say, how does this work? Well, (laughs) I helped one of my top clients with with this and we did 13 launches in one year. And yeah, you pick up a lot of stuff when you're deep in the trenches for live launches. Number one lesson, unless your team is ready to crank out 14 hour days for an entire year, probably not the wise decision. So that's a bit of my like sarcasm (laughs) coming in. But hey, that up close and personal experience showed me how to sell out my client's group program in a very competitive market personal development. And yet we still managed to net multiple five figures each time. 
yay. So that immediately said, okay, I've been on the front lines for a six-figure business who launches a lot, <laughs> right? And then I need to bring it back to her. So I say, I understand that your podcast is all about helping your potties, which is her nickname for her listeners. So she knows I've been listening. Mm -hmm. So helping understand your potties, how to skyrocket their sales. So here are some topics we can tackle. Number one, the biggest underutilized area of a launch that is costing sales big time. Two, brand DNA. Why is it so important in launching and the three practical ways to discover it? And thirdly, the courage to convert relationship. The five levels of courage in entrepreneurship, which impact our conversion rates. But of course, I'm totally open to your own spins and angles to see your audience. So after the topic suggestions, I've helped her to envision what it's like, like the kind of conversation we could have on it on her interview. But I also left it open to her, like, hey, I'm not like rigid, it's not set in stone. Let me know what works for you. And then this is a key thing, this sentence. Whether or not I'm a good fit, I truly wish you all the continued success for your show. And let me know if there's anything I can do to help you too. So this leaves the ball in her court because I have received so many pitches where it's almost like they literally say, oh yeah, so I know you're interested. So here's my link for my calendar. And I'm like, bro, <laughs> I haven't yeah. even said yes yet. Calm down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Calm down. Calm down. Um, so this like, leaves them open to like, oh, okay, you're not pressuring me. You genuinely wish the best of me, which is wonderful. And then for any references, um, I say like, and if you want to hear my, what my voice is like, pinky promise, I don't sound like nails on a chalkboard or so I'm told. And then I popped in a link for my own podcast. But if you don't have that, obviously don't do that. But if you have any previous interviews um, on video or a or just something that can really link to your personality that could be helpful. Mm. So I say all the best. And but this is really important, Belinda. And I love this one. Um, I love the second PPS. All right. PS. I love the episode. What's going on with pricing and the duo Jess show that she had with another Jessica, basically your integrity and awesome laughs really came through and prompted me to write a five-star review on the spot and PPS. Speaking of voices, I can imitate the voice of Stitch from Lilo and Stitch, which I'm happy to demo for you if we get to have a chat. So this feeds into what I found out on her website, that she's a huge Disney fan. So I thought, okay, maybe she knows Lilo and Stitch and she she's a very she, she loves to laugh on her podcast. So I know that she's not uber serious or anything, which is why I was able to put in these like PS sections. But that's a walkthrough of the pitch. It's personalization, it's relevancy, it's providing credibility, it's giving them a chance to kind of like give them the decision-making power. Don't keep it for yourself because it's their platform to respect and have a little fun if you can in your, in your PS section for like little personal tidbits that you can do. I and that's that. my walkthrough. I love that. Thank you for sharing that because there were so many good elements. And what I loved about the credibility bit is it's not just saying, I have these logos and I have done this work. You really like if you can weave in the idea that you have stories to tell. Mm -hmm. That's interesting because yes. then I know that you're not just going to regurgitate blog content that mm. could be found anywhere because that's what we want, right? We don't want um, 10 tips to upscale your <laughs> visibility. Like we want oh, stories from the trenches. That sounds interesting. That sounds like something I want to know about. So I love that setup. And I also love the topic ideas, pre-made headlines. How much do you research what they call their episodes 
in terms of how you frame those topic ideas? Mm, so when I look at a podcast, so just imagine that you're on Apple Podcasts again and you see their description, you see the episode that they've got, you kind of like really pick out the language that they use like over and over and over again with their guests. And so I always like pick a central theme. So for her, a central theme was sales right? And leadership. So that's why I picked topics that could definitely speak back. So it's kind of like as copywriters, um, you know, we have voice of customer research and it's pretty much the same thing. We just kind of like use the buzzwords that they provide in their description and in their episode and you just reflect it back on them. So it makes them feel like, oh yeah, like Belinda is my girl, you know, obviously she knows what I'm about and you know, what the podcast stands for. So yes, I like her. (laughs) Yes, of course you should. I am also... (laughs) So what, like, let's get technicals because I know a lot of people get completely overwhelmed. Like, oh my gosh, if I'm going to be on podcast, then I need a $500 microphone and I need this and that. And like, and then I think people use the technology or the technical stuff we need as an excuse not to do it. But Mm. so what, what are your bare bones? If you want to get into podcasting, these are the things you have to have ready. Yes. To be an awesome guest. So from a technical side, just a microphone and it doesn't have to be $500. Um, The one that I'm using right now is a Blue Yeti and it's one that I recommend far and wide because it's the only one I know. So (laughs) So, um, Blue Yeti and Blue Snowball, they they typically are the uh, microphones I go for. But of course, your experiment is up to you, like within your own budget. My friend who had a podcast about podcasting, she openly revealed that like, oh, I started with a $20 mic. So it does not have to break the bank. And I want you to remember that this podcast, sorry, not this podcast, this microphone investment is not that you have to buy a new microphone for every new interview you do. It is like a one-off investment and it will reap rewards for you later on down the line because it's not just interviews. You can do it for um, well, podcast interviews, yes, but it could be for future summits or if you're going to be recording a course. Like, you know, there's so many different times where you would need a microphone anyway. And the reason why I emphasize the microphone, because I know there are some people who have done interviews just with their, um, with their earphones. And I wouldn't recommend that. And only because I've heard a story from a podcaster where the person submitted a great pitch and everything. It was all set to go. And as soon as they jumped on the interview, he saw that his guest didn't have a mic and he had to cancel the interview. Wow. Yes. And I mean, like, I understand. Mm, yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay. And, and on one hand, it's like, it's like, oh, well, that's a little bit harsh. But at the second hand, that just means that, of course, that the host really cares about the audio quality because it's an audio show that we're listening yeah. to, right? And so just like do yourself a favor and invest in a microphone. doesn't have to be super expensive. doesn't have to be the Blue Yeti or anything like that. But just one that is within your price range. It's got good reviews just so that you can feel confident because honestly, when you have a microphone versus just your earphones, you feel much more powerful. It's like, yeah. it's like a physical representation of your declaration to amplify your voice more. So it does yeah. a lot of like sh- internal shifting as well. So that's from a technical standpoint. And I also feel that if you have certain goals around podcast guesting, around X amount of leads or X amount of, um, you know, email list subscribers, like, first of all, when it comes to metrics, you know, have hard metrics, sure, but please do have soft metrics as well. You know, just like focus on the impact you can make as well with your message. 
please don't just go into it just focusing purely on the numbers because if you only focus on that, your message won't land. Trust yeah. me. Yeah, yeah, it's that intention, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, you know, but at the same time, if you want to achieve those goals, if you do want to kind of be able to, you know, have leads come to you, then make it easy for them. So when a host often asks you, where can they find you? Of course, ask them beforehand before you blindside them. <laughs> but it's kind of like, okay, what free gift could you possibly give them? Depending on where they are, um, you know, they may be open to you, uh, you know, offering a free strategy session. You really need to, of course, like talk to the host beforehand. But have that system in place, have the application forms, have the booking links, have the lead magnet that's attached to your email system that will send the automated nurture sequence. you got to think about all of that if your goals are very much set on achieving these specific goals. But if you're more open to it and just kind of like, oh, well, I'll just let it come to me as it does, it's probably not going to be as important. But I am still, uh, you know, I was a strategist. So <laughs> I'm yeah. still, of course, like thinking strategically for the business too. But you need to balance the two. But I mean, I think if you're going to spend time researching podcasts, listening to podcasts, building relationship with the guests, pitching on them, preparing for it, going on it, and we're going to talk about leveraging in a minute, then (laughs) you want to have some strategy behind it. Otherwise, it's not the best use of your time. Like if you're going to spend that time, really maximize it as much as possible. And I know when we have guests on, we, the first thing we say is, can you send through your headshot and your bio? Mm Mm-hmm. Two more things you just have to have ready. Yes, definitely. So, yeah, you pretty much hit the nail on the head. And when you're, like, walking through, like, everything that needs to be done, I'm like, I hope that doesn't scare too many people. Is <laughs> Honestly, when you learn the system, like, just once, it becomes like second nature. It really does. So yeah. it may sound like a lot up front, and it is going to be a bit of learning and, of course, integrating it into your business, of course. But honestly when you have this skill, this will work for you for a lifetime, you know? So there is like some energy and time investment up front, but it's worth it if you're going to go all in for it. So let's talk about, um, I want, I really want to talk about leveraging, but oh my God, I had a really good question. James, (laughs) James, I'm going to have to edit this awkward bit out. What was the question I was just going to ask? Systems, lead magnets, anything like that? It'll come to me and I'll ask it again. So, all right, I'm just going to have a moment of quiet. All right, so I've hinted at asking about leveraging and I want to, I feel like now is exactly the right moment because sometimes, like at the beginning, you said just getting on the pod can feel like that's the end. But how do we make the most of our podcast appearances, especially when we're talking about getting in front of our ideal clients? Because, I mean, some pods are about building authority and other sessions might be more about getting in front of ideal clients. Is mm-hmm. there Are they the two sides and how do we leverage this opportunity? Mm. So there are a couple of ways that, you want to consider leveraging. And this is why it's important to have what I call a, a topic suite is because you need to be able to be flexible with your topics. First of all, to help you apply yourself to different podcast missions, because they're not all going to be the same. There's something that I call the story to strategy scale. There are some podcasts who, which like complete story. They don't want strategy. They just want to hear like your tales from the trenches. And then there's the other side. They don't want to hear your story. 
like virtu- like virtually non-existent it's just like just tell us like the nitty-gritty doom, 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 right and so you really need to acknowledge like which area of the scale it is if it's more on the story side then that's more for like just like your brand awareness like just like helping people to see multifaceted um, faces of your brand just because they they know of you they know what you do but they want to hear a bit more of the personal side of you right and then of course the strategy side is you know for you to leverage in for example this is how I do it often um when I'm speaking with a prospective client who wants to work with me for podcast guesting services, they want to train their team, then I will share an episode where I have broken down the system because that creates a sense of reassurance. Like, hey, Meke has talked about it on a podcast and she's been on this podcast. So, you know, clearly she knows something about podcasts. <laughs> so, something's working. Um, yeah, something's working. Exactly. So it's just kind of like leveraging it there. Um, so when you're kind of like going back and forth in a couple of email correspondences with a prospect, then you can actually, you know, weave in like, oh, before our call, like I'm super excited for our call. And, you know, just so you have an idea of what the process is like. I spoke about it on this podcast here, link it up. And if you're going to be super ambitious, you can even link it up, give a timestamp because that shows them like, oh, she's detail orientated. She's helped me to save time. I, she appreciates, she appreciates that. So mm, let me see what I can do. So that's one thing that you can do. You can have a, you know, you can put all of your podcast appearances together and any other press pieces that you may have um, as a separate page on your website. So that's a natural credibility booster. Um, what else can you do? You can repurpose the content, of course, because when you are seen associated with certain podcast hosts, then their audience is like, oh, okay, so make it bring it up again. So for example, before we jumped on this call, um, I did like a very quick post on Insta Stories to say like how excited I am because I am uh, to be on the hot, po- um, hot copy podcast. And so that just like shows you like, oh, okay, she's already kind of pre-promoting it. We haven't even had the interview. We haven't even like made it go live yet. But that's my investment in the promotional efforts, you know. And um, yeah, so that's kind of what comes to mind right now. It's like, it comes in when it needs to come in. You can repurpose the podcast interview into, you can transcribe it. You can turn it into a blog post from the transcription. You can have like sound bites and quote cards to be able to like consistently share on social media. And when you do always tag the host <laughs> just so they can see like, Oh, Belinda, like she's still, she's still like tooting our, our horn. Like she loves the conversation. That's awesome. So that's how you can do it. And that's how you also continually build the relationship with the host too. Absolutely. And I love like one of the things I do is I put podcast appearances into my archive of social media posts because mm-hmm. just because you've been on a podcast and you shared it once mm-hmm. doesn't mean there aren't listeners who would still appreciate that interview. And it might be an interview that's a year old and you can still mm-hmm. find new listeners. And again, tagging the host means like, yep, this is still an important conversation to me. Like I'm still cherishing this, this moment. Mm. And I'm really glad that you brought this up because I think that's what creates the transactional approach that um, is quite dominant right now in the industry. And this is what I'm trying to change Um, because they just think like, oh yeah, like I'm only on one podcast this month, boo hoo. And I'm like, you can like totally repurpose that because, um, you know, like we just said, there are so many different ways that you can repurpose this interview. So your interview is not just relevant on the day it goes live. It's permanently relevant as long as you make it so 
Yeah, absolutely. Now, I want to talk about this system that because sometimes, I mean, as a host of the Hot Copy podcast, Kate and I get this, you know, I'm writing to you on behalf of May Kate Sang that she's going to be a great guest for your pod. And it's like there are obviously, and LinkedIn, oh, my God, I get so many LinkedIn requests from podcasting promoters. And I'm not saying they're horrible people or we don't need this. They seem completely legit. But I loved your idea that we can build this into our own business without having to have someone else do it. So can you talk around that? Yeah, I'd love to. And I'm really glad they put this up. Like trying not to, of course, like put too much poop on what's currently out there. But being on the receiving end of these pitches, to be honest, um, there was a, I'm not going to name who it is, but there's a agency that I used to look up to a lot. And then one of my best friends, who's also a podcaster, she's been on the receiving end of so many pitches from this agency and they're completely irrelevant guests. Is not even, they're not like, she is um, like her podcast is all about branding and marketing and they're sending her like doctors, <laughs> for yeah. example. And they're like, uh, <laughs> not quite sure. No, not even not quite sure. That just doesn't fit. And they have such a reputation that it really disappointed me. And it really let me down to be honest, because I really looked up to them at one point and it just goes to show that some, that reputation is not the end or be all. It's just kind of like, it's your continual actions that should be the most important, not just a reputation you've kind of built up from the past, your past actions, because mm. I think that can kind of give permission to be lazy um, and to be like almost incongruent with what they stand for. So my little spiel there, but yes, so <laughs> you can totally do it inside of your own business. And I know this because this is how I learned. I didn't learn from anybody. I haven't, I don't have a background in PR, but the approach that I've created by actually being in the trenches, it works not just for me, but also for my clients and my students in multiple industries, in personal finance, in like, yes, branding and marketing and like even photography, for example. So I know that this works because it's one universal theme of personalization and relevancy. So it's just like, I think, because the thing is that you can't outsource the relationship building. So true. Yeah. And that is what's missing from these outreach services. That's why I'm actually moving away from outreach services. Now I want to like really help people to like empower them with their own system. Like which parts can you outsource? Because not everything should be done by you if you don't want to, but the relationship building aspect that should be you, you can't ask your assistant to send the video pitch for you. <laughs> and even for you, Melinda, for you and Kate, like I sent a voice message. I can't outsource that, nor do I want to, because I want to, like help you to kind of like see like oh this is how Mickey sounds so I can envision her being a guest on on the podcast you know so that's that's the whole process kind of like just really taking on that personalized approach with even if it's writing the pitches or you're doing voices or you're doing a video pitch those things shouldn't be outsourced mm. that's why right now even for my clients who I am pitching for again moving away from that even for them I ask them to set up a separate email account so it doesn't run through makeathang.com. It doesn't. I want it to be from them. So I write the pitches for them. They come in, share their feedback on, you know, reflecting their brand voice, making sure that it's all on point, and then we send it for them. Because after, there's like a lot of layers of approval so mm -hmm. that we can best represent them. But 
honestly, it's better if you just do it yourself. <laughs> yeah. I mean, is this, if something, if someone wants to make this part of their regular marketing, is it something that we say, okay, you have a regular Friday podcast pitch hour in your calendar, or you say each week I'm going to do two, or like, how do you make it a regular part? Because I think this is something where all the junk comes up and you're like, oh, I've got 10 other things on my list. Maybe I'll just do this first. <laughs> Right. So um, it's funny because I'm one of my students asked me this today for our final session in my group program, and I kind of shocked my students. And I'll tell you both sides of it. Okay. So for me personally, in my own business, I do guest on podcast still, but I don't have that set Friday or set anything because for me that takes out the intentionality for me. And I know that firsthand because of my 101 um, pitch challenge. But I also know that for some people, they need that in order to hold themselves accountable. Yeah, I'm putting my hand up. I do. (laughs) I do. (laughs) So, yes, 100%. Like to get started before you kind of, um, one of my previous mentors, he used to say, um, was it master the form before you flow with the formless, which means basically you know, you really need to master it first, like from a technical standpoint, before you kind of give it your own spin. Like don't add your, what's it, don't reinvent the wheel too soon um, for your own process. Like you learn the system first and then make it your own. Mm-hmm. So I think for those who are just starting out, they do need that accountability. So they need that firm, like, okay, every Friday, I'm going to focus one hour on like researching podcasts or writing my pictures or whatever it is that you need to do. And I'm going to send them out on the same day too. So that is what I'd recommend to get started. And then as you really feel what's within your bandwidth or not, that's when you can start flowing with the formless. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, I, as I said, I, I, I need, I need to be held accountable to myself. Mm-hmm. Otherwise I will, I mean, I had to do something the other day and I made a freaking cheesecake because <laughs> I didn't want to do it. And that's, that's it was delicious. Um <laughs> But for me, if it's in my calendar, um, I feel like a pledge to myself mm-hmm. and I feel a bit it's harder for me to move past that um, because I know getting on podcasts has been something I've been wanting to do for a long time um, and I just didn't do it. I kept finding other things and it's just getting in my own way about it. Um, but, yeah, I guess the lesson here is figure out how you work. If it's something you want to do, figure out how you can keep doing it and get better at it because these kind of things, we can get in our own way about it and they're hard when we start, but it gets easier and we get better, but you've just got to push forward. Yes, 100%. So I want to wrap up with um, this idea of the big picture for podcast guesting because we've talked about you can expand your reach and you can, you know, get in front of your ideal clients and you can boost your authority through the roof. But like, is that it? Is that, is that what we're striving for here? <laughs> I mean, I, I know that from the surface, it it is a visibility strategy. I'm totally aware of that. And I completely acknowledge it as well. And there's a reason why, like, you know, there's a little TM at the end of the term value driven visibility because so many people, they focus just on visibility and that's almost, it comes from a very self-serving space. And I think that's actually a subconscious reason why people don't want to focus on it because they think it's just about them. The spotlight's just on them. And some people thrive in that. And those other people that 
probably don't get as far as they probably could because they're just focusing on themselves. Mm-hmm. So value-driven visibility is all about placing service over self-importance. This is why we've been talking so much about intentionality and relationship building, because if you treat it as a transactional thing, then it will be a transactional thing. It'll be like a high and buy sort of like very minuscule, if you can even call it a relationship with the host, but it's really about the bigger picture of what you could create together. And I want to introduce this concept that's called an impact iceberg. So just like, um, you know, the traditional iceberg theory, right? So, you know, about 20%, you can only see on top 80% on the bottom for your, um, for your conscious and your subconscious mind. When it comes to you guesting on a podcast, your impact is rippling out. But the thing is, most people will not tell you. There's going to be a very small handful of people who actually respond to the posts that you're sharing. Mm. There are going to be so many people who don't because they're not ready to come out of the woodwork to actually tell you. And what we were speaking about earlier about podcasting being such an intimate thing. I want you to imagine that when you're like reading a blog or when you're watching a video, if someone glances at your screen, then that almost like opens up the possibility of their judgment. But once you play a podcast and it's in your earbuds, you tuck your phone in your pocket, no one else knows apart from you. That's it. And that's a very special place to be. They are kind of inviting you into their space where their guards are down because you're already at the most intimate place that they could, that you could be. And that is not something to mess with, which is why the impact iceberg theory, there's going to be around 80% of the people who won't tell you straight away, but it doesn't mean that the impact isn't happening. It is. Yeah. Just needs to come to the right connection point when they are ready to tell you about how you've changed their life. So if on the front end, you're worried about the listeners, you're worried about the leads, you're worried about subscribers, you're completely missing the mark of the further impact you are making. So I want to bring this all home to two things. ROI, okay, well, two versions of ROI. The, the one we know is return on investment, right? So this would be the hard metrics. But the second ROI that I want you to focus on is your ripple of impact. Oh, I love it. I love it so much um, because it's really what, you know, I think a lot of people will start listening to this going, yeah, I want to be on more podcasts because I want to get more authority and I want to get more clients. But I think that's the perfect because the perfect way to end because um, as a podcast host, Kate and I are often, it's silly, because but we go, we forget that, other, that people are listening. Mm-hmm. And when I'm listening to podcasts, I have been changed in really important ways, but I would, you know, I would think, oh, they don't need to know because they're too important or it doesn't, it's not going to matter to them. And so it's, it's almost not about the telling, but knowing that those moments are happening because of something you're saying is amazing. I love that. 
Well, I think we should leave it there. Um, that, thank you so much. I found this, you know, this is, I think this is a great pod. This is my favorite mix, tactical stuff that people can implement straight away and some big ideas that yes. hopefully are just going to kind of, you know, simmer away and marinate. So that's, thank you very much, May Kay. Now I want you to tell everyone where they can find you and what you've got coming up. Yeah, I'd love to. So I hang out the most on Instagram. So that's why I'm doing all my stories and where you'll see all my promotional efforts of this podcast. <laughs> so, um, yep. So you can find me on Instagram at make sang. So it's actually without the hyphen. There is a hyphen in my name, but just to make your life a little bit easier, it's M-A-I-K-E-E-T-S-A-N-G. And if you're at all interested in just like exploring this option of building this self-sustaining podcast system into your business, I'd love to have a chat with you. So then you can go on over to my website. And I think around the time that this episode is going to air, I'll actually have my brand new website. So Ooh, I'm that's so exciting. About that. Yes. So, so excited. Oh my gosh. Oh. All right. <laughs> um, it's the same. So M-A-I-K-E-T-S-A-N-G. And finally, um, this is something that I'm working on with um, Belinda and Kate and 23 other podcasters. So we're actually coming together to share our out-of-the-box piece of advice for you on how you can guest on podcasts in 2020 and beyond. And so all of us have come together to share this advice into super, super valuable resource guide. So the link for that is going to be 25experts.makeasand.com. So um, I'm going to send all the links over to Belinda. So it's going to be nice and neat into neat little bow. So that is where you can find me for Instagram, one-on-one for the experts guide. And this is probably going to be a little bit overkill (laughs) um, in regards to the links. But um, if you are somebody who thrives in a group dynamic, I do also run a group program called From Pitch to Podcast Guest. And I'm either going to be opening it later on this year or at the beginning of 2021 because the intentionality and the love that goes into that is like beyond (laughs) is beyond my wildest dreams and I as I'm speaking to Belinda today I've just wrapped up my current cohort and oh my goodness (laughs) it's beautiful so whichever method or whichever like way you want to contact me that you feel most drawn to I'd love to connect with you regardless thank you awesome we're going to have all those links and I'd like to highlight someone does something you forgot the quiet rebel podcast oh oh, yeah of course yeah my own podcast Okay. Um, so we'll have a link to that as well. It's a really awesome podcast. And I, I think it's a great example of a podcast who has a definite, you have a tribe and a vibe that you will either immediately connect with or maybe not, but I like I immediately connected with it. So, so thank you very much for being on the Hot Copy Podcast. And I hope you have a wonderful evening. I've watched, I've watched your window get progressively darker um, as we've been talking. Um, so I appreciate this. This has been a long chat, but I, I kind of don't want it to end. So thank you very much, May Kay. And um, we will, I will hopefully talk to you again soon. Yes, 100%. Thank you so much for having me, Belinda. Really enjoyed that chat. If you've enjoyed this podcast today, leave us a rating or review. A rating and a review, actually. It's the reviews that we read out at the end of the show, and we would love to read your name out. You can also go to hotcopypodcast.com and leave your thoughts on this episode. And don't forget to reach out to May Kay. Until next time, everyone, happy writing. Thanks for listening right to the end. If you enjoyed this podcast, you might enjoy my two other podcasts, 
I have one called The Recipe for SEO Success, which is all about SEO tips, advice, and helping you grapple the Google beast. And my other, The Confessions of a Misfit Entrepreneur, which is all about dealing with the stresses of running your own business. You can find both of them on iTunes and Stitcher, wherever you listen to podcasts.